Well, it is good to be back with you again. It's been a while. I think I've been here once during the pandemic to worship with you when there were even less people in the sanctuary. So good to see more of you. And uh, for those of you who don't know, I still kind of stay connected because I uh, am still um, kind of mentoring Pastor Adrian. So we meet together every uh, few weeks to uh, help him uh, figure out how he is adjusting and help him uh, make that adjustment and to, to uh, pray for each other. So it's good to be back with you this morning to uh, to share with you the Word of God. Uh, before I uh, start reading it, I, this is taking place in Athens, this reading. Paul is in Athens. He's a missionary and he's planting churches all over the place. And uh, he has gone to Athens to do that. Now, as you might know, um, I certainly know, because yesterday I taped 18 hours of it, the Olympics are on. And uh, the Olympics uh, always start when the teams walk in with the team from Greece, right? Because the Olympics started near Athens, uh, at Mount Olympus. Uh, and, they, so the, and the irony of that is that... <clears throat> They started, I don't know exactly when, but at least 300, I think 370 years before Christ. So conceivably, when Paul makes this speech in Athens, the Olympics might be going on. Isn't that interesting to think? That the, I mean, there was a gap in the Olympics. I think they ended around 300, 400 AD for a while, but... Uh, but it's ironic that Paul is standing up in the city, that multicultural city of Athens, to make this speech from Acts chapter 17. <clears throat> Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus, that's the council, the city council. And it's done in an open square. There could be a, a lot of people from the public there as well. And he said, people of Athens... I see in every way that you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world, we sang about that earlier, that creation God, and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he has made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he has marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, even though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live, we move, we have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. 
Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set the day when he will judge the world with justice by the man that he's appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. And when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them uh, sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. And at that, Paul left the council. And some of the people became followers of Paul and believed, and among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, and also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. At that point, we read God's word this morning. So the message is entitled this morning, Celebrating Oneness. Oh, I can't, I see, I can't see the slides up there. <laughs> All right, we're good. We'll go back. There we go. Celebrating Oneness. And I, and I decided to preach on it this week because the Olympics on the one hand have started and all the nations have gathered at the Olympics. And next week we celebrate what's called Heritage Day uh, in which we celebrate the many different cultures and peoples and foods and music and dance that is, exists in our city among all the people who live here. Uh, but I do want to uh, thank uh, Xiao Zhang, who is the... Um, CRC's uh, banner editor, uh, because uh, one time I read and I kept an article of his um, that helped me with my perspective on this word of God today. There was a man who um, emigrated from Romania, and I met him, and he told me that when he came here, people celebrated with him the new start that he had in his in, in this new country. Now, I have been in Canada since 1959. Hmm, I guess that means I immigrated way before I was born. <laughs> Not really. Not really. Anyway, this man, he wanted to know whether being in this country really is a new start. That was an interesting question. And so he asked me whether I see myself as Dutch, because I was born in Holland, or as Canadian. And the truth is, I don't know. I really don't know. Because what do you use to measure that? What do you use to measure your cultural background? I'm at home here in Canada, but I can also feel just as home in Holland, except maybe among the Frisians. <laughs> they have a whole different language and a whole different culture. You know that if you're Frisian. Am I Dutch or Canadian by my looks? Okay, my hair, I have blonde hair, blue eyes, and I'm tall, big-boned. 
Okay, I don't have blonde hair. I have platinum hair. But I did have blonde hair. And, and other people too. Some people have different uh, skin tone. They have different shapes to their eyes, to their faces. They have different heights of people. People have different foods that they like. I have some. I still go to the Dutch store to pick up some particularly Dutch things. I don't like East Indian sweets. I've tried them. I don't like them. But I love Newfoundland Jigs dinner. I think it's awesome. And I love a good hamburger. There are different customs and different traditions. If you even just look at the way we celebrate birthdays and Christmas and New Year's. There are different religions in the world. I have sat down with Islamic men and talked about their Ramadan, what it's all about at its heart. And they've asked me about Abraham and Jesus and what they mean to me. To me. I have experienced the deep prayer of an aboriginal sweat lodge. Even within Christianity, I have experienced a service of speaking in tongues, as well as the rich tradition and ceremony and symbolism of an Eastern Orthodox service. But what do we do with that and more? What do we do with that? But one thing that we do is we celebrate. We celebrate that diversity. We celebrate all that difference. In Alberta, we call that Heritage Day. And that comes next weekend. And in the middle of what we also have going on in North America, which is a time of racial tension and even backlash against people and cultures, we create here in Calgary, through Heritage Weekend, and we created through the Olympics, an opportunity for people to interact with each other, to interact with different traditions and languages and arts and music and food as a way to experience people who are different from us, different from each other, a way to seek understanding, a way to seek appreciation for each other. And we, as River Park Church, also have that as part of our dream, as part of our vision, to be a multi multicultural community. But you are also believers in God. And that adds something different to the mix. You are followers of Jesus. And that gives you a whole other way to see and to experience the cultural richness of the world. You all know the bow tower here in Calgary, right? It's uh, 62 floors high. It has 218 meters tall. It is three meters taller than the Suncor building. 14,000 cubic meters of concrete lie at its foundation which is the third most in the world. And it's 84,000 square meters of glass. 84,000 square meters of glass. 
and 158,000 square feet of office space in it. It dominates the skyline of Calgary, kind of the way the CN Tower does it in Toronto. Genesis chapter 11. It tells a story of a time when there was only one language in the world. And it tells a story of one bad decision. The decision was to build a tower of brick and tar. Why? Quote, so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the earth. You hear it? They wanted to make one superpower, an imitation of the Babylonian Empire, but the sin was in making a name for themselves, apart from God. And in the Bible, a name is more than fame. A name is a corporate identity. It is a who you are. They wanted an identity apart from God. Who are we without God? Church is nothing. Church is nothing without Jesus Christ as our rock and as our fortress. But in doing this, they were mangling God's creation purpose for them, and God's creation purpose for them was to fill the whole earth. They were afraid of being scattered. They were afraid of being diverse. They were afraid of being multicultural. And the result was that God confused their tongues and created languages and culture. God stopped them through ethnic and cultural diversity, confusing the language so they just wouldn't understand each other. And then they separate. And the cultures of this world then, and in our city and in our neighborhood, the ethnicity and the foods, they all then exist for one reason, as God's wonderful means of grace. God's wonderful means of grace. So that in our diversity, we would look for unity. What makes us come together? What makes us one? What binds us as human beings? Now here's the vision of that unity from Revelation, the book of Revelation. At the end of time, there's going to be one person, Jesus Christ. He will be a lion, but he will look like a slaughtered lamb. And if you judged him by his looks alone, 
you would say, he's nothing. What can a dead lamb do? But there is so much more to him than that. He is a lion, he is strong, he is powerful, he is ruling. And there are 24 elders and four beasts around him bowed low to the ground singing this new song, you Jesus are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, with your blood, you purchased people for God. From every language, from every people, from every nation. And there they will be around the throne of Jesus, every tribe, every language, every people. Heaven, heaven is about worship. Worshiping Jesus. Heaven is about unity while at the same time being a diversity. You will recognize nations and tribes and languages there. Uh, Pre-pandemic, which is a long time ago, I attended a stampede breakfast at a church. And I had a chance to meet a lot of different people at different tables that were set up outside. And I met some uh, Lithuanian people who were uh, Eastern Orthodox. And they asked me a question because they knew I was a pastor and they said, well, why don't Jewish people believe in Jesus? They were seeking to understand. I met uh, a couple from Colombia in that same group who had uh, friends in the church, very nice people. I met a Korean family there, and uh, they were healthcare workers from the Philippines, uh, making an adjustment to Canada's healthcare system. And we have the same. I mean, if you look at our church, in the great, where we all come from, different places, different countries, different cultures. The Christian Reformed Church is becoming much more diverse. We have 50, more than 50, mainly Korean-speaking churches in the Christian Reformed Church. The current executive director of the CRC is African-American. When you go to Synod, you, <coughs> you'll look around and you see you have Hispanic delegates, we have Native American delegates, we have African-American delegates, Asian Pacific folks who are there all together. All of this is a means of grace from God. All of this is intended by God to keep our identity focused on Christ. That's the purpose of it. In our diversity to seek our unity. As I mentioned, Paul's uh, visiting Athens, which is a great open-minded city. They love to talk about all kinds of stuff. They love to meet people from different places and share ideas. They didn't have Zoom, so they had to get together in Athens. And Paul praises them for their diversity in Acts 17. He says, the God who made the world and everything Oh, and then he points them to their unity. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and doesn't live in temples that are built by human hands. You can't control 
the shape of God. God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, God himself gives everyone life, breath, and everything else. From one man, from one man he made all of the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Now here's the real reason. God did this so that they would seek him. Culture, countries, nations exist so that they would look for God and perhaps reach out for him and find him, although he isn't far from any one of us. For in him we live, we move, we have our being. You hear the corporate identity there? We live, we move, we have our essence in God. We are his offspring. The diversity of culture and language exists for this reason, so that you and everybody else would seek out for God, maybe reach out for him, and actually find him. He is not far. This is our corporate identity. God, the creator, and Jesus Christ, verse 31, the just and fair ruler of all, Jesus raised from the dead, who not only gives us our life, but in him we move, we live, we have our very being. We are a diversified unity. But we're also united in Adam and Eve. In Adam and Eve, what we share together is our brokenness. We inherit our brokenness. In Adam and Eve, we sin, as the Bible says. And there are two ways we do that in relation to this theme. One way we sin is through fragmentation. And the other way we sin is through homogeneity. Fragmentation. Sometimes we accentuate our differences. We say, oh, these are Korean people, or these are Dutch people, or these are uh, Australians. There aren't any two that are the same. I made the joke about Holland, but Holland has many different communities, many subcultures, many smaller groupings. There isn't just one thing Holland. But sometimes we separate by accentuating the difference between us and others. We accentuate the difference between our race and another race. We refuse to reach out a hand to those who are different from us. And we live in our social, cultural, ethnic, economic, and linguistic cliques in the world. I know because I grew up in one. When we came to Canada, we were scared. We didn't speak the language. We didn't know the customs, the cultures, the rules. 
We didn't know the holidays and what they meant. We had no money. We didn't have any social power. So we joined a group of Christians who were almost all Dutch. And they still had services in the afternoon in Dutch. We went to the beach together on Saturdays and to church together on Sundays. And we didn't like the unknown. We didn't like the unknown. In part, we don't like differences. True? Part of me wishes that you were all exactly like me. including everybody having my hair. But I have to admit that's kind of scary too. I think of everybody being like me. And that's the other sin. Homogeneity. Too much sameness. Expecting, demanding too much sameness. Speaking of my hair, my... Uh, when my granddaughter was 15 years old, she said to me once, Gramps, your hair is just ridiculous. It's not right to look like that. You can't be my Gramps. And then she ran off to her bedroom. It's true. Thankfully, she ran right back, threw her arms around me and said, but I have no choice. You're still my Gramps. On the Muppet movie, remember the Muppet movie? was this Greek restaurateur. He was a wise old guy. And he said, it's tomatoes, it's dancing, it's music, it's potatoes, but peoples is peoples. Every person is a unique creation and every person is sinful. Both homogeneity, extreme sameness, and fragmentation, extreme difference, often result in prejudice. Prejudice is judging somebody in advance, before you know them. And I, prejudice is something that happens in me when I am afraid. It's my, my fear that jumps to conclusions about you without knowing you. There was one pastor who was visiting a widow. She was a beautiful woman. He went there every Friday afternoon. And his car would be parked outside the house. And uh, the curtains of the house would be drawn. And the church secretary could smell perfume on him when the pastor came back to the church. And just like when the boarding house blew up, rumors were flying. Rumors were flying. So one elder came to the pastor and he confronted the pastor and said, So pastor, what's going on between you and the widow? And well said the pastor, Just before her husband died, she made, he made me promise 
to support his wife because she also had cancer. And he could not bear that she would go through it alone. And as the cancer began eating her up, she used more and more perfume to cover the odors of the disease. And the bright daylight hurt her eyes. So the curtains are shut. I'm afraid she is dying. What you judge to be true can often be false. Prejudice, drawing conclusions from a distance without understanding. Making your mind up about somebody or something without knowing. Being afraid of difference and the unknown. And you do it, and I do it. You do it, and I do it. We all do it. Whether we like to acknowledge it sometimes or not. But it is true. I met an Asian couple that I thought was Chinese. I just decided that they were Chinese because of the way they looked. Turns out, she was Indonesian, and he was from Hong Kong. I was told by uh, fellow Christians that I should not go to an aboriginal sweat lodge because it was a pagan thing. Shouldn't go there. In the sweat lodge, I experienced the depth of prayer like I've never felt before in my life. I I experienced my need to trust Christ more fully in that sweat lodge than ever before by being part of that prayer circle. I wasn't polluted with paganism. They had something of God that came to me through their culture. In fact, it was just as much paganism already in my life. In my materialism, in my dependence on my own career, in my de- in places in my life where I still do not follow Jesus better. That's where the that's where the paganism was. When I seek to understand you, when I seek to understand you as a person, when I seek to know your world and to know your culture and to know your life story, when I seek to respect your difference from me and yet know that we are connected, that's when I experience the grace of God. Perhaps I would seek God. Perhaps I would reach out for God. Perhaps I would find more of God within you. When he is our corporate identity, when Jesus is the one, the one who reached out to prissy legalists, the one who took a drink from a Samaritan woman, the one who took a demon-possessed man and let him follow him, the one who lifted a child to his lap, the one who touched lepers and who called a blind man who had been told to shut up, Jesus, who hung on a cross in the dark, Hung by prejudiced people. Maybe he's Elijah. Hey, Jesus, come on down if you can. 
They didn't understand the culture of heaven. We stand at that cross and we hear Jesus pray for us, for me. Father, forgive him for he doesn't know what he's doing. Self-pride is broken in penitence. Fingers stop pointing. God's complete acceptance of me holds the power for me to overcome my fear, my push to make you just like me, my treating you as distance, my prejudice. From this one God and man, Jesus Christ, through the fruit of the Holy Spirit, come patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. From this corporate identity comes the resurrection of the human race. And that's the only race that exists. Father was watching his son play baseball by himself. You know how the kids do that, right? He has a bat in his hand, and then he a ball in his other hand, and then he throws the ball up in the air and he tries to hit it. And so he did that. He threw the ball up in the air and tried to hit it, and he and swing and a miss. And he just tried it again. Come on, son, you're a great baseball player. Throw it up in the air. Swing and a miss. Throw it up in the air. Swing and a miss the third time. And his father said, see, son, I told you you're a great baseball player. You're a great pitcher. <laughs> if I believe the best about a person, and then I'm proven wrong, then I'll be hurt, right? But I haven't hurt anyone else. But if I believe the worst about a person, and then I'm proven wrong, I have done a lot of damage. 1 Corinthians 13, love always trusts. Love always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. They'll know we are Christians by our love. So dream the dream of nations, folks, with me. We're a diversified unity for God and in Christ. And in him we live and we move and have our being. We are a testimony in all that we are to the grace of God. That's our heritage. Let's pray. Gracious God, we lift our being, our very being before you, all of our being together. We know that we are not worshiping alone today, that throughout the world, in different styles and in different musics and in different countries and in different cultures and in different time zones, the voices of this earth keep raising up to praise you, and we're part of it. We are part of our corporate identity in Jesus Christ, and we love it. We are grateful to be your church. We are grateful to be your people. And we ask you to help us deal and live with our tendencies towards prejudice, towards homogeneity, towards separation of ourselves from others. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to reach out and to use that love that you've held out to us to 
draw others to our lives, and that in our togetherness, we may experience your grace. Oh God, be our unity and be our diversity. Oh God, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.